I, I pray you're not offended. My goal is not to offend here, and I know that this possibly could offend someone. But hopefully you'll understand why based on the topic. I've never played a television clip in church before. I don't advocate, advocate for uh, TV or the principles found on it. Not everyone in this short clip is dressed modestly because they were interviewing people on the streets. But I want you to see this because I literally could not do justice to this clip and the way it connects with what we are talking about tonight. So just have a look. Voter turnout is already much higher than it was in 2014 for the last midterm election. You know 43 people voted in the last midterm election? <laughs> Most everyone you meet says they're planning to vote, but uh, we want to do our own test of that. So we went out in the street last Tuesday, and we asked if people have gone to the polls and voted in the midterms that day. Of course, the midterms didn't happen last Tuesday. They happened tomorrow. And just to be clear, the folks you're about to see are not early voters, voters by mail. These are people who were falsely claiming they went to their polling place that morning in tonight's midterm voter edition of Lie Witness News. So tell me all about what it was like this morning when you voted in the historic midterm election. Was your polling place busy, not too bad? Um, not too bad, actually. Not as busy as I thought it would be. How long did you wait to vote? Um, like 30 minutes, which is, I think, not too bad for a place like Hollywood. <laughs> what was it like at your polling place this morning when you voted? It was super busy. A lot of people were coming out. More people want to be involved in voting. So it was really, really cool to see that. Did you have to present an ID, or they let you go without one? Um, I had to present my ID. What ID did you present at the polls this morning? Um, my driver's license. What backup ID did you show as well? Oh, my school ID. And what was the third backup? Um, I, I had a credit card. Did you vote for Senate, Congress, Supreme Court, or President today? Uh, honestly, yeah. like, um, I voted for Supreme Court and the other ones just because. Yeah. Did they hand out anything besides free stickers at your polling place? Did they hand out those bacon-wrapped hot dogs? No bacon-wrapped hot dogs. There was cookies. Oh, what kind of cookie did you get? Chocolate chip. Ooh, how did that taste? It was good. Okay. Chewy. Chewy. So did you vote yes on Proposition 9? Uh, yes, I did. Why do you think it's a good idea to make medicinal aspirin illegal? Um, just because, like, with any type of medication, it can be addictive, so I just want to be careful. Sure. Did you vote yes or no on Proposition 91? No. What were you afraid the orphans would spend that money on? Who knows? Um... How did you vote on Proposition 91? No. Why? It just didn't give me the right feeling. Who did you vote for for LA Unified School District student body president, Aiden or Kayla? Uh, oh my gosh. I think I voted for Aiden. Would you like an I voted sticker? Sure. And again, you can only have the sticker if you actually voted. So you actually voted today? Yeah. Okay, do you swear? I swear. Do you swear on your life? Yeah, sure. <laughs> earlier, but it came off, so thank you. It happens. Okay, thank you so much. Or it didn't. Yeah. Right, yeah. All right. Just in case you don't understand the U.S. government and the way we vote, you don't vote on the Supreme Court. <laughs> and the student body president of L.A. District, huh? We laugh at this because it's it's 
it is it is funny. But I have to, I, I look at this and I go, okay, this is, this is unreal. And to just embellish the fact that you even told us the chocolate chip cookies were chewy. <laughs> like, how does lying get so deep in our blood that we can just not only answer one question, but the way lying works is you have to continue to lie to stay in character, to continue to complete that story because it's never just one lie and then you stop. It always leads to another lie. And what happens is you get so tangled in the web that you feel like, I can't stop now. I can't tell the truth now because how would that make me look from everything I've said up to this point? And so what happens is, is we get into a very, very broken down system of lying over and over and over again. And we laugh, and of course I laugh too when I saw this clip, and that's why I had to show it to you because tonight we're talking about this, Exodus 20:16. the ninth commandment says you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Now, if I could put... we. Every commandment, we've put just one word on the commandment. So if I could put one word on this commandment, it would be lying. And so lying is not necessarily something that we can just laugh at. Of course, that was, we all laughed at that because it was pretty ironic what they did. But lying is more than just a bad habit. It's something that has the ability to derail God's will, his plan for an individual, but also for an entire church. Just take a look, a case study. How about the New Testament church? Okay, we go to the book of Acts. We're apostolic, the Acts of the Apostles. This is our book. We love this book. Acts 1 kicks us off, and it says, Jesus ascends into heaven, says, hey, y'all, go wait in Jerusalem, the promise of the coming. I'm going to pour out my spirit. Y'all need to just wait there. Okay. Acts 2 comes. The day of Pentecost rolls out. They're all gathered in one place. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. There's a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind fills the house where they're sitting. And they all received the gift of the Holy Ghost, all 120 people. People sitting around thinking they're drunk. We're not drunk like you suppose. Peter preaches the message. 3,000 more people are added to the church. Acts 3, Peter and John are on their way to the temple for prayer. They see a man, lame, that has literally never walked a day in his life. And they're walking, and they stop, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Rise up and walk. What a powerful story. This guy goes, they go to the temple together. Everybody's like, wasn't that the lame guy at the gate? And, I mean, what an incredible story. Acts 4, the crowd who saw this miracle, they're miraculously, marvelously touched by this. And so they're starting to inquire about things. And 5,000 more people are added to the church by the end of Acts chapter 4. The religious leaders are, are there, are irate, they're frustrated. And that's where Peter stands up in 4.12 and says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name uh, given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. And so, great things are happening. 
Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4. We have a 3,000 soul revival, a 5,000 soul revival. They're putting out chairs at every single service because it's standing room only. Okay? At the end of chapter 4, they didn't even care who owned what. Everybody's selling their possessions, holding all things common, and they're just coming and bringing and putting money at the apostles' feet saying, let's further this message, let's further this mission, and, and I'm willing to give, I'll sell whatever, and I'll just bring it to you, and let's just keep this thing moving forward. It's when a man named Ananias Heard some of the thank yous, saw some of the faces and names on the projection screen. They probably had LED back then, right? And he got to thinking, well, you know, I got a parcel of land that I can part with. It's not that important. I can sell it and give away some of the money. Maybe I'll get some public recognition too. The church was blowing up with growth until... This very moment, as we roll into Acts chapter 5, and it says there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. What's that called? What's that called? The youth have music going, so I can't hear you, so... With his, it says, he brought part of the money, claimed it was the full amount, with his wife's consent. I love that. Luke had to, he's writing this. He's like, just so y'all know, she's in on this. She's not an innocent party. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Ananias brought the cash to Peter, set it at his feet, claimed the money was, was all that's all he had made. The problem is he was lying. His wife is in on it. They, br- they did bring money, but they kept a stash at home. Now, Peter knew something was wrong because God told him so. And so verse 3, Peter says, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, you might think Satan filled his heart because of the money aspect, but the first thing Peter addresses is you lied. Because God never enacts, he never commanded them to hold things common. He never said, I am requiring you to sell what you have and bring it to the apostles. We never read that. It was on their own volition that they said, I'm going to bring in. Now, the tithe, we've already talked about that. The tithe is the Lord's, and that was expected. New Testament, Old Testament, that did not matter. But in an offering, he does not say, this is what you have to bring for offering. This is what you need to do. He did not command that. So they could have chosen to not sell the property. They could have kept all the money. That wasn't the issue. He says, you lied. He says, you lied to the Holy Spirit and kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell. There he goes. You don't even have to sell it, Ananias. Why are you putting yourself in this spot? After selling it, the money was yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us. You're lying to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and he died. 
And everyone who heard this was terrified. Rightfully so, right? If I'm like, oh, if you gave to the stewardship campaign, stand up to your feet. And and all of a sudden somebody stands up. I'm like, really? You did? And the person just struck them and just died? You'd be like, you'd be terrified too. Make sure you follow up with your campaign pledge. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, took him out and buried him. Three hours later, you know, I mean, she's at home. His spaghetti's getting cold. She's like, Ananias, he should have been back by now. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to run checking him. So she comes three hours later. She's like, has anyone seen Ananias? Has anyone seen my husband? And you know, the crowds gathered. They just watched what transpired. I mean, by the time they carried him out and buried him, like, they were probably just wrapping up the uh, religious ritual, okay? And she rolls up, and everybody's probably like, did he do me? Hey, does she know? Do you think she knows? Please tell me she's got it now. Did someone text her? (laughs) Somebody had to send her an inbox on Facebook. Did you live stream that? So she walks up. Anybody seen Ananias? They're like, it's not my place to tell her. So she doesn't know what happened. Peter asked her, hey, heard you sold some land. And I got a question. Was, was this the price you and your husband received for the land? He gives her a chance I find that interesting. Where do you think Peter learned that from? How about from God when he shows up, Adam and Eve? Who told you you were naked? Where did you eat the fruit? Cain, where's your brother Abel? Like this, God just seems to always give us a chance. When you're lying and you're caught in a web, he doesn't just strike you dead. He gives you a chance to come free. He says, hey, I got a question, Sapphira. Was this the price you sold the land for? Yes, that was the price. You got to imagine everyone in that room was like, oh, my goodness. Like, we just had a funeral. Come on, Sapphira. Man, oh, man. I'll never forget the one time. I promise you, like, probably the one time my sister did something wrong. Like, she was an angel and I was not. Okay, but my dad had told her about something, and she went somewhere she wasn't supposed to, and this is like the only time she ever did it, and I remember I was with my dad when he saw her car, and I was like, oh no, oh no, so we get home, and I'm standing behind my dad. My dad was strict, okay, and he goes, Pam, where were you, and she comes through the door, and I'm in the back like, but I don't want to get whooped, so I'm kind of like, And uh, Pam was not 100% truthful. <laughs> she can knock me out for this later. I mean, I'm not even lying. This is probably like the only. That and she hit me in the head with a hairbrush one time. But <laughs> I did deserve it. <laughs> but she got in trouble for that. So that was funny. So I'm like, I was the one. So I'm like feeling bad. because I'm like, oh, man, I'm trying to get her attention. And, and she and my dad's like, I saw you. I was with him. I wish there was something I could have done. But that's probably how these people felt. You know, they're watching her and they're like, 
She says, yeah, yeah. I sold it for that price. Peter says, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door. They're going to carry you out too. I mean, like, man. And the saddest part here is they didn't have to bring the money. They didn't even have to sell their land. But they chose to do this, and they chose to lie. The young men who gave in, so instantly she fell to the floor and died. Young men came in, saw she was dead, carried her out, buried her beside her husband. Great fear, I would say so, gripped the entire church and everyone else who had ever heard what had happened. I would say so. I mean, like, that's not something you tweet, right? Like, after Sunday evening, you know, we have our service, and you're like, hey, someone died at church this morning. Hashtag see you Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not what you're necessarily doing. The issue here was not about the mount. It wasn't the price. God never required it. He, he, he was so angry because they lied. God went and slammed the brakes on this revival that was transpiring in Acts. I mean, like Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4. All of a sudden, oh, yeah. Now let me tell you a story about a guy named Ananias. Like, he literally slammed the brakes on this revival because he's more interested in having a holy church than a huge church. And I feel the same way here at Refuge Church. Like, there's certain topics I can stay away from, but if Scripture addresses these topics, I can't stay away from them. I have to address them. And we will never be holy unless we are first honest with others and with ourselves. Because if we cannot be honest with our own selves, we will never even realize our need for a Savior. The young men around Simon Peter didn't know what to do. They hoisted Ananias up, carried him out. Then Sapphira came in. She hadn't seen him. And, and so now they're carrying her out. But when Peter, when, when Peter gave her the chance to break the cycle of lying, notice I said break the cycle of lying because it is a cycle and it is something we can hand down to our children because when our kids hear us talk to other people and embellish things or we, we, we have conversations with people, our kids, if we say, hey, did you, or if, if the officer pulls us over and say, were you speeding? No, officer, I wasn't speeding. And they go, yes, you were, you're lying. Everything that we do teaches our kids something. And in this instance, they can learn, well, it's okay, the situational lying's all right. Because one lie always leads to another lie. And in order to continue lying to yourself, you have to keep lying because you have to keep saying, well, I got myself into this and I got to keep lying so I don't get caught. But yet, you're always going to get caught. So Peter asks Sapphira about this and, and she just, she lies and she dies. And this story is, is uh, kind of like a, Kind of like a palm tree in Canada. It's a bit out of place. The church was born. It was growing. 
Revival is spreading. And all of a sudden, God slams on the brakes to tell us a story about a man and his wife who dies. And it wasn't for adultery. It wasn't for murder. It wasn't for idolatry. It was for lying. And so I know that when we look at things, when we say, yeah, murder, my goodness, a little white lie, come on now, that's not murder. But it seems like it seems like God values integrity and honesty quite a bit. As far as we can tell, this is the first and last time someone in the Bible dies for lying. But this story is inscribed in Scripture because God wants us to know he demands honesty. Not just honesty to yourself, to him, but to others. Because if he says, I'm putting my spirit inside of you, you're my church, you're my bride. All right? I would be utterly ashamed if my bride just went around lying to everybody. I'd be going, that's not the truth. Why are you saying that? I'd be so, ah, because really, she's a reflection of me. And you're a reflection of Jesus Christ. And when you're walking around saying, oh, yeah, I go to church here. I'm a Christian. I'm the, and then people hear you embellishing and lying. They're going, I don't want nothing to do with the God that you serve. You're a liar. So God wants honesty, and he wants honesty not just when, like this. He wants honesty when we're selling our car. Oh, yeah, there's no issues with it, and you know that it's leaking like a sieve oil. And you went down and wiped it all around with a rag and put some caulk on it and said, well, we're good. Don't tell people it's all highway miles if it's not highway miles, okay? I mean, like, this is just honesty, when we're filing our taxes, well, they paid cash for that, so I probably don't need to record that. Really? Be honest. When we're telling stories, you know, the other day, man, I was at the gym. I threw up like 300 pounds. But I was like, it was like 103 times that I just added it together. But we can worship for an hour straight on Sundays. But if we're lying Monday through Saturday, we are not living a life of holiness. <laughs> holiness begins on the inside and it demands honesty and integrity. The psalmist looked through the clouds and asked this. He said, who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. I don't know about you, but when we say, it's a lie, it was a little white lie. Was a, what do you want me to do? I embellish a story. It's not a huge deal. And, and people, if you were to say, I mean, we watched, that's why I showed that clip. Most people don't think it's a big deal to lie. Oh, that's not sin. Yeah, I guess it, it could be. Like, is it okay to murder? If you go to the streets and say, is it all right to murder someone? Most people are going to be like, you don't murder someone. But you go out and say, have you ever lied? Would you lie? Oh, yeah. Not that big of a deal. But it is a big deal. It is a big deal. And look at this scripture when he says, who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in the holy place? People who never tell lies. 
talks about the purity of heart. <laughs> but I want to be in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. I want to be in his holy place. I want to stand in his temple. I want to be in his, I, I, I want to I experience the fullness of who he is. And scripturally, I don't, it doesn't appear that I can do that if I'm a liar. Deceit has been around for quite a while. Cain lied about killing Abel. Abram lied about Sarah being his wife. Then his son Isaac lies about Rebekah being his wife. Jacob lies about being, see, it's handed down. Being Jacob, when he worked to trick Esau, Peter lied about knowing Jesus. In each story, in every lie, they paid a high price because they gave up a level of integrity that they can't get back. Man, I'm going to mess up in my life, but I don't want my kids to ever just hear me just lying. I mean, because when we do that, we invest something in our kids that says, under the right circumstances, it's all right to lie. And it's not. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah spoke this to Israel on behalf of the Lord. Isaiah 57, 7 and 8. You have committed adultery on every high mountain. There you have worshipped idols and have been unfaithful to me. Well, they've already broke a couple commandments already. We've already talked about adultery. We've already talked about idolatry. They're already broken. They're, like they're all in their way. You have put pagan symbols on your doorposts behind your doors. Notice what he's saying there. There are things going on in your private life. What is he saying? You're doing things behind your doors, behind closed doors, things that are not in the open that people know about. But he says, I'm talking to you, my people. You're, put, you're doing things behind closed doors, but I know. You've left me and climbed into bed with these detestable gods. You have committed yourselves to them. You love to look at their naked bodies. Okay. This is, they're in a bad place. And you jump down to verse 11, he says, are you afraid of these idols? Do they terrify you? Is that why you have lied to me? Wow. Just in this one passage, they're just breaking one commandment after another. Committing adultery, idolatry, lying. And he's saying, you're in a terrible place, and here's why I know you're committing adultery, you're committing idolatry, and you're lying to me. And forgotten by me and my words, is it because of my, of my long silence that you no longer fear me? Now, I will expose your so-called good deeds. None of them will help you. Let's see if your idols can save you when you cry to them for help. Why? A puff of wind can knock them down. If you just breathe on them, they fall over. He had to not, he had to, I love that. He had to just kind of knock on the statues that they were worshiping. Whoever trusts in me will inherit and put the land and possess my holy mountain. God is addressing them for so many things, but he specifically calls them out for lying, among other things. You see, in order for you to truly fall away from God, now I know we could sit here and say that'll never happen. But I've watched my dad teach Bible studies for decades. I was in youth ministry for a really long time, now pastoring a church. And I, I wish I never saw anybody walk away from God. But there's been hundreds and hundreds of people I've seen walk away from God. And when you're in love with God and he's done great things for you, the only way that that happens 
is you have to lie. Either the sin of lying to someone else, but you, or you begin lying to yourself. That's the only way that you can let go of something powerful you had with God. And unfortunately, I've seen people do this. You begin to convince yourself that what you're doing is not that big of a deal. Or letting go of that thing is not that big of a deal. And so we start to, to, to lie to ourselves to try to convince us that I can ease my conscience, go a different direction, and still be okay. And Paul actually writes about this. He, he says, in the last days, let me tell you about some of the things in the last days. Second Thessalonians 2, he says, this man will come. He's talking about the devil and the, and the false prophet. And he's saying, this man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept truth, the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Notice the verbiage in this passage. Words like counterfeit, deception, lies. Satan is the father of lies. And it's not always just a lie, it's deceit. And I feel like there's a difference between lying. A lie is just a straight-up lie. Deceit is, well, I'm not really lying, but there's a little bit of truth mixed in with a little bit of lie. I mean, that's why he said, hath God said, and he starts to quote things that if you take heed to his voice, they can be confusing. Because it's not like he just said, did God say that you're supposed to just move out of the garden? And he didn't say, he, he kind of mixed in like he, he touched on the tree that God had talked about, but he twisted the word. And if we don't know the word, we're going to get confused because the devil aims to confuse and deceive, meaning that's, he, he, he will say, well, you know, if you go to that church, you know, that part, I mean, is that really that big of a deal? Because they preach this, but not this. And, and so we can almost start to go, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of truth there, but yet I don't see that in scripture, but yet it kind of twists God's word to just get me going, um. and it happens regularly. That's why I say, if, if this is not the church for you, I pray to God it's always the church for everybody. But if you say, you know, I'm going to go find a new church, make sure that every word that is being spoken in this pulpit is lining up Scripture, line, and verse that it's in the Bible. Because if it's not, you can sit there long enough and start to believe a lie. Again, I'm not trying to knock any others. There's great churches all over the place. And I'm not foolish enough or prideful enough to say, this is the only church in the area that preaches. Like, no. But if you're going to go somewhere, make sure they're preaching the word. Because... Satan's goal is to deceive. And this passage also sheds light on how do you avoid being deceived. Verse 10, he says, hey, I'll tell you, use every kind of evil deception that leads their way, on their way to destruction. But then look, look what it says. Look how it ends. Because, why, how did they get here? Why are they heading toward destruction? Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. 
don't want to be headed toward destruction. If, if, I'm not, if I'm a person, leave that up, please. If I'm a person that doesn't tell lies, that's one of the things he's looking for me to be able to stand in his presence, like we just read the psalmist said. But believing a lie will lead me a totally opposite direction, to destruction. And the only way that I'm going to avoid destruction is I have got to fall in love with truth. And truth is truth no matter what society says. And oftentimes, truth will say things that are, is completely 100% clashing with what society is saying. And so you start to feel like a kind of odd and strange because you're not fitting in in certain circles, whether that's school, college, university, work, employment, whatever family, whatever that is. But my goal is not to just fit in on a workplace or fit in in a university or fit in in a doctoral program. My goal is I always want my life to align with what is truth. But in our quest sometimes to fit in with all of the different circles that we have to step into in this world on a regular basis, we can actually start to try to believe a lie and convince ourselves of something other than truth because of the fact that standing for truth is often very difficult because it's countercultural. Hear me when I say the best way to avoid destruction is to embrace truth, to wrap your arms around it. Hold it tightly. And when people come and, and try to get you to question every wind of doctrine and, oh, you think that's true? You think that's a big deal? I don't think that's necessary. When I had friends growing up that every time we had a conversation about the Bible, it was always about, is it really necessary? Do you think that's really the case? I don't really know if that's a big deal. Yeah, but do you say this? And there was a pattern and there was never anything about, I want to be deeper. I want to grow with God. I want to know God. I, want to, I just want to go to places I've never gone in Him before. I desired it. When I would hear the pattern of what I just said, I would isolate. I would cut myself off from that person because I... I knew that they were heading toward a dangerous place. And I wish I could tell you, oh, I was so wrong. They didn't. But I can use examples. If I could name names right now in my head of people that started with these conversations. Somebody comes to me with a genuine question. I will sit for hours and we'll look at scripture. I had someone come to me once and, I, and they wanted to know all this information. I wrote this whole long thing so they could study it out for themselves. I handed it to them. They started laughing. Didn't read it and left the church months later. Why? Because to me, it's not about just, well, what's really necessary? How close to the line can I get and not fall off the edge? It's not about that. It's about the fact that what does God say? What does thus say of the Lord? What does the word say? I want to wrap my arms around that and I want to embrace that. And on the days where I feel like I'm standing alone and everybody's whispering about me and people are saying, you think that's really necessary? You're old fashioned. You're this, you're that. I want to embrace that truth and say, God, this world is not my home and I one day 
today want to stand in your presence. I don't want to lie to myself. I want to embrace what's true no matter what anybody around me says. God, I want to love people. I want to have compassion for them. I'm not trying to be judgmental or prideful, but I want to stand for truth always. Always love truth and never let it go. Yeah, but what is truth? It's the word. It's the word. Truth is not dictated by school boards, presidents, supreme courts. Truth is the word. And if God's word speaks and makes something clear, everybody else can say, that's not really clear. That's not really needed. I'm not going with them. I'm going with the word. And as I close tonight, God is not only calling us to be honest with one another. I, I certainly hope that we're a reflection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. If you say, hey, are you going to be here at such and such a time on this date? I don't want to have to say, I swear to you, I promise, I'll, I'll give you my word. Like, I'm just going to say yes. And I want you to be able to walk away and go, yeah, hey, he's meeting me over there Tuesday at noon. And never think again about when I'm going to be there. I want my word to be my bond. I want, I want people to know that's an honest man. Not only for my own benefit and what I invest in my legacy that I leave my children and that they will be honest people, but also, I'm telling you, my kids, that is one thing. I will have grace in a lot of ways, but early on, if my kids lie to me, oh, hmm. Even if I am, something just recently happened, and I texted Kira, and Kira responded, and she told me the truth, even though it was hard, and it was scary, because she knew I was going to be mad, and I took him in, and I was still mad, but I looked at the text, and I responded and said, thank you for being honest with me. Because to me, I've had him lie once in a while, and I look at him, and I say, don't you ever lie in this house. You will always be further ahead to say, Dad, I messed up. I'm so sorry. And you tell me exactly what happened. Don't leave me wondering what happened. Don't make up a story because I will lose all not only respect but trust. And our family is built on trust. And if I can't trust you, we're going to have issues. Don't you ever lie to me. And so I want to teach them that best way I'm going to teach them that is don't be a liar myself. But he's also calling us to be honest with him. And when we do this, we tell him what he already knows. You can stand to your feet. And here's where we need to be honest with him. God, I'm not okay. I'm not all right. I can't, I can't do this on my own. I can't go through this life by myself, on my power, my wisdom. Like, I, I need you, God. I, need, I needed you yesterday. I need you today. I need you right now. I'm going to need you tomorrow. 
And when we're honest with him, that's when he can heal us and he can save us. But a lot of people in this world, I'm fine. I'm a good person. I don't need God. I don't need any of your religious mumbo jumbo. I don't need the word. Like, that's a lie. You haven't maybe come to realize it's a lie yet, but we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin are death. So we all need a savior. And that's what he wants to be for us. But not just a savior who like bailed us out of jail and headed out back onto vacation. He's the one that's like, I want to, I want to put my spirit in you. I want to be with you. I want to walk with you. I want to be. I'm gonna be. I'll never give you more than you can handle. I won't leave you comfortless. I'll come to you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. I'm with. You. I, he, he wants us. He wants us to know. I'm on this journey with you. I'm walking right with you. And so you know what? Stop pretending you're fine. Stop trying to hide sin. You got sin in your heart. If there's sin in your life, like he talked about to Israel, they started to believe a lie, but they, you know where it started? Doing the things behind closed doors. Lying to yourself. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. It's not a big deal. I can stop anytime I want. And closing the door and thinking nobody knows. He knows. He said, I've seen everything you guys did behind closed doors. You're lying to me, you're lying to other people, and there's a problem here. But ultimately, why was he reaching to them? Why is he reaching to us tonight? Because he's a God of grace. He's like, I'm not out to destroy you. I just, I want to I help you get back on track. And that's not going to happen when you're hiding things behind closed doors. Stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to other people. I already know. But I'm not fine with it. Bring it to me. Let's get this, let's get this taken care of. You know, we'll sometimes say, God, give me the strength to be an overcomer. He already did. He already did that. So then I need to go, okay, then why, then why am I living like this? Because there's something in me that I keep checking myself back into this. And I got to say, no, no, no. I'm done. I'm done. Today, I'm, I'm done. God, I'm not going to lie to other people, but I'm not going to lie to you. But I'm also not going to lie to me. And Lord, I, I, I need you. I need you right now. I need your strength. I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need your blood to wash over my heart, mind, soul, and spirit. I need your spirit. I need you to lead and guide me. I need you. I, I need you right now, Jesus. And so I'm inviting you, if you're ready, just be honest with God about where you are. Stop hiding. Stop pretending like you're fine. Stop pretending like it doesn't exist. Okay? Find a place to pray and be like, God. I need to be honest with you. Here's what I'm struggling with. He already knows anyway. But there's power in confession and in the spoken word. So I invite you to just begin to find a place to pray and to be honest with him and with others tonight and determine, I, no matter how hard it is, I will always live in honesty and integrity. I refuse to lie, fabricate, embellish. It's not, it's not going to be who I am especially when it comes to myself and to God.